Backpack Broadcasting continues to bring you the best original sports content, but now you can get more of the content you love. For as little as $3 a month, you can get access to bonus content, including behind-the-scenes footage and interviews from the Sports Walk, Sideline Stories, or the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. All this exclusive content comes via Patreon. There are tiered levels of patronage, and each Backpack Broadcasting patron receives exclusive perks. Your support helps Backpack Broadcasting create more of the original content that you love. Visit Backpack Broadcasting's Patreon page and become a patron today. Hard to Tell podcast, episode 112, Dexter Henry, Brian Fonseca. Yeah. And for the first time on this podcast, we have a politician, political candidate, you can say Democratic candidate for uh, the New York Five region of Queens and Nassau. Now new friend of the podcast, we've just been getting to know him, Sean Chowdhury. Sean, what's up, man? What's going on, y'all? Thanks for having me on. I'm excited. Yeah, let, me yeah. T- let me tell the people how I met this guy because <laughs> you, know when, you know when some people hear politics, they're like, oh, yeah, God, yeah, here yeah. we go. No, this is going to be a fun political story. <laughs> yeah. It is, it is. So I met you playing rugby. I wasn't yeah. playing rugby. You I were wish, playing I wish, rugby. I wish I'm surprised he wasn't because he loves violence. I played football, but <laughs> <laughs> I had a cup of coffee playing football before. But you were playing rugby. I did a rugby story. You were playing yeah. on the Brooklyn Kings. You still play on the Brooklyn still Kings. Still play for Brooklyn Kings, yeah. Uh, you were playing. You were one of the players that I interviewed for that story. We just kept in contact. And then all of a sudden on Twitter, I'm looking at, oh, okay, so he's getting into politics now, getting into Congress in New York City or whatever. And then I'm looking at, oh, his name is getting out there. He's getting endorsed <laughs> by Sean King. You know what I mean? Things like that. You're getting behind Bernie Sanders, so yeah. we're going to get into all that stuff. But this is how that sort of ties in. It starts at rugby, and it ends, or not ends, it continues, uh, continues. into Congress yeah, <laughs> just man. in a short while. But I guess let's start there at the very beginning because you said this wasn't this wasn't part of the plan early not on. Like when all. I met you, you were just kind of playing rugby, still figuring it out. You yeah. were in the Marines for six uh, right, six right. years. So I guess like how how did this path start since it's relatively new? Man, I guess you could say it's God's plan, right? It was in God's yeah, hands. I mean, sure. it was just a twist of fate, honestly. Like when I was playing rugby, my only goal was to just like just like any other kid coming out the hood, trying to chase your dreams, trying to you know make it to the league or whatever. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go play rugby. Yeah, I can go to England, Australia, whatever. And I had tore my meniscus and MCL in 2017, mm. so I missed a whole season after that. I'm like, all right, I need something to do. I was in my last year of college. Let me get my degree. I went to John Jay College, so not too far from here. Okay. Um, got my degree in law and society. And then I just decided to do an internship up in uh, the New York State Assembly. Just needed, honestly, I just needed like six more credits, get my degree and get out. But then when I went up there, I'm like, yo, this is wild. There's so many things that people back on the block that don't know what, you know, how this works. Mm-hmm. And that we're constantly like poor black and brown people constantly left outside of the democratic process. And we could change all that, but no one's listening to us. And what can we do to change it? We need to like mass mobilize people to come together and like take on the establishment, right? Right, yeah. So when I got back, and it was like crazy timing, man. AOC just came up right on the scene. Yeah. You know? And the wild part was that a friend of mine actually, she worked with Alex, um, I call her Alex, but AOC. Yeah. Uh, at the restaurant that she was working, I kept in the back of my head for a while. I'm like, all right, cool. You know, if I need to 
help out, whatever. I, you know, I'll get on board when I can. And then when I actually saw her on the Young Turks one time, I'm like, yo, she's like talking that talk. Like, yeah, I, I, had, I, I yeah. had to, I had to, you know, so got on board on her campaign, started out as a volunteer, and then they just needed someone to be with her at all times. So I happened to have a car and they're like, yo, Sean, just pick her up in the Bronx, go wherever you need to go, bring her back home. And it was just a repeat every, every day. Um, you know, but I got so much advice from her. I got to see what it's like being a candidate firsthand. Mm-hmm. You know, it's an emotional roller coaster, spiritually, emotionally, physically too. Yo, I haven't hit the gym like in a week, and I'm like stressed <laughs> about that, man. Word. I know that stressed. feeling. Yo, when yeah. You're, you know? Where you're so busy, it is hard to get to how, the gym. How much of seeing her, because, you know, I think a lot of people from New York City, a lot of black and brown people, were inspired by what you saw her do in the Bronx and yeah. still inspired by what she's yeah. doing right now, right? Like, so seeing that close up every day mm-hmm. did that kind of plant the seed then to say yo i could do this too uh probably not huh, okay. <laughs> okay. probably not for me i wasn't even sure what i wanted to do yet you know i'm, I'm still like at the time at least still in my mid-20s trying to figure life out like anybody else yeah and i figured you know what actually around this time last year i was about to apply to law school huh. you know I was probably going to, I was thinking about going to law school or maybe even becoming a teacher, trying to figure things out. But then what clicked for me was actually went down to Tijuana at the, uh, in December 2018. So, you know, being a veteran, you saw what Trump was doing. He was sending down the military down there at the border. And it's like the San Diego border, the Texas border. So I got together with like other veteran organizers and other organizers who worked on AOC's campaign. We we're like, yo, we got to do something about this. We have to be in the opposition. Right, just to demilitarize the, the border. So we went down there to help all these asylum seekers, to help these people who are just escaping government persecution, poverty, you name it. And if you think about it, yo, it's our country, our government. We set the stone for the environment down there for like the last century, essentially, mm-hmm. right? Right, right? And it's been a repeat, even with the, the war on drugs and everything. People are continuing to leave the countries because of what we created. So when you have like mothers and children coming up to the border, and these are like mass majority of them are mother and children. They should tell you something's wrong. There's something wrong here. So when I got back, I'm like, all right, well, my Congress member, he represents the most diverse borough in the world. He sits on the Foreign Affairs Committee. He could do something about this, have a stronger stance on immigration. Mm. New York 5 had a 70% uh, ratio of, people, of, of uh, people coming from immigrant families. You right. know, So it's vast majority of black and brown people, 50% blacks. 20% Latinos, 20% South Asians. Mm. We make up it. We yeah. make up diversity of Queens, right? Yeah. So I'm like, all right, Gregory Meeks, you know, can we make sure that people uh, are, you know, are getting fed, making sure that they're getting health care, making sure that their human rights are being violated, making sure that the asylum cases are being processed. He undermined all that, was like, you know what, we just create more bed space for them in these detention centers. I'm like, that doesn't solve Bro, the I'm right. like... I right. the light bulb click. You were like, I need to go against this guy. <laughs> That's when I started ticking because I was just pissed off at this point, bro. I'm like, yeah, yo. Yeah, I'm tell- yo, but Dex, what do I always <sighs> say? Sometimes you just got to get pissed off well, and then well, things listen, are going to change. Listen, ang- anger, <laughs> I always say this to them too, right? Like, it's not that anger is ever wrong, right? It's, it's what you do with that anger, yeah. right? And how you channel that. And it sounds like you channel that into something positive to actually try to have some change because mm-hmm. what I find interesting in you telling that story, right, is like you got people together to go see what you could do right. and you came back home and was like, hey, what can we do back home? Right. And you kind of saw people was like, yeah, I kind of really don't care about this. We're just kind of going to push this to the side. Yeah. But you didn't give up. Nah. Right? You kept going. And you figured that, oh, there's something that I can do about this. So how did you get to that process where you were, okay, you, he says that, 
You sort of receive it the way you receive it. And then you go from there to, you know what? I'm going to take this on and I'm going to try to change this myself. Yeah, I mean, it was a day-by-day kind of thinking process. Like, I had to do more research before I even decided on doing this. You know, I had to make sure that, one, this is, don't get me wrong, like, he's been there for 20 years, so he has clout. He has money. He has mm-hmm. the power of the establishment. So I had to be careful. I want to make sure that if I do this, like, I got to do it the right way. Sure. I have no money whatsoever. I started this campaign like, zero bucks. Yeah. You know? So I'm like, all right, let me see if there's anyone else maybe out there thinking about running. Maybe I could support them. Um, let's play it out. Waited for a while. Nothing. Um, and then I do more research on this guy. I'm like, yo, there's more to this. Oh. There's more to this, right? <laughs> yeah. And the biggest thing that stuck out is that the voter turnout in this district is 3%. 3% huh. is very, very low. So he's been. Let, let's also let's also be to be clear for the people. Um, your opponent, who you'll see in the primary, he's been there for twenty one years. Um, the voter turnout, like you said, is three percent. This mm-hmm. is the New York Five district. This is South Queens, Nassau, part of uh, east western part of Long Island. Um, it kind of sounds to me when you say that with the voter turnout being three percent, it's like. Yeah, he's been skating on? by, or he's been skating by because low voter voter turnout. Know who he's going to get, mm-hmm. so he's going to get the same people yeah. voting for him all the time, and just yeah. gets reelected. And there's yeah. really not been a serious challenge. I take it that you feel that you are that serious challenge. Yeah, I feel good about it. I mean, the people on the streets feel good about it. Like we've been able. There to you like, go. That's what matters. You know, on the no, that's but, what matters. but no, that's it's matters. that's Seriously. real though. No, that's no, real. I'm being because if because if I had to think about okay, what's making up the three percent of the voter turnout? I don't think they're going to be like. Okay, we talked about Bernie Sanders for a little bit before this podcast. And Bernie Sanders, he's big on people of our generation, Sean. Yeah. You know, the millennials, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Is Gregory Meeks targeting those people? Yeah, did you I find don't that, think that he is look, at yeah, all. You, you know what I numbers, mean? Did like, you find it, yeah, did you, is he targeting those people? Or did you find out that the vote, what did you find out from looking at that 3%? I assumed you looked deeper into it. What did you find out? So what I started finding out, all right, where is his voting base, right? Mm-hmm. So I started finding out, all right, well, it's definitely like, these local democratic clubs where, you know, I'm not trying to be an ageist or anything, but most of them are, are old folks, are, are yeah. aunties and uncles, right. are, are their parents. That's how these things go. <laughs> and it's literally the same meeting every month and talking about the same thing that lasts for three, four hours. I'm like, mm-hmm. yo, a lot of young people don't have time for this. That's why we don't show up. Right. You know? And then they expect us to go there and just listen to them, yeah. keep things the way the way that they are. But it's like we keep the, thing, the you know, same things that the way they are. And it's killing us. Yes. Literally, it's killing us. I mean, th- that locally and then nationally, you, yeah. could, you could do that in anything. And, then, and when we think about, like, young people not wanting to be involved in politics, it's because of, like, how much everything that has, like, harmed us, we hate the, the system itself, yeah. right? Yeah. So there's a lot of, like, voting apathy. Yeah. So when, like, I live in the 40 Project in South Jamaica, when I tell people where I, where I live, bro, they're like... All right, I got you. 40, yeah, you I want, got you. Forty p, forty p is real. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. yeah, yeah. Forty p is real. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, and let's, I'm going to bring it back to something here. We all we spoke about this off camera and and off the pod. All of us sitting here are children of immigrant parents. Yeah. Um, we all have grown up in communities where there's been a ton of people like us, yeah. black and brown, Latino folks. Yeah. Um, to to see that, I think you talked about people being desensitized with politics and sort of having the apathy towards it. I was at that place at one point, right? Yes. Oh, Where it was yeah, just like, sure. ah, yeah, I, I, I don't care. 
I'm a little bit more hopeful for certain things because of the diversity we're seeing, because we're seeing AOC, because we're seeing more women uh, get get in places in, in politics that we can see it visible nationally. Mm-hmm. Um, how could you talk about how important it is to have that diversity so we can see black and brown and Latino folks representing, knowing the needs of their community and actually fighting for those needs? Yeah, I mean, the representation is important, but you know, there's a slang that goes like, not all skin folk are kin folk, right? So Amen to that. it's like, mm-hmm. uh-huh. if, if, if the values of what you're trying to represent for your community doesn't really reflect it, then there is no point of you being there. None. Right. Period. Yeah. Right. Period. Yeah. So when I look at Gregory Meeks, I'm like, bro, you've been there for 20 years. You have no business being congressman right now. Like you could be a lobbyist, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. But when you're talking about the amount of home foreclosures, like we have a housing crisis in New York Five. The amount of home foreclosures that's been going on over there in Queens has been devastating. Mm-hmm. 2019, we lost 320 homes. And the most people that are affected by it were people from, like, St. Albans, Cambria Heights, Springfield mm-hmm. Gardens. This is all New York Five. Wow. It's crazy. And then you got to look at the bigger picture. It's not him. It's not only him. He's just enabling the system. And, like, he's getting – he's taking money. He takes $2 million per cycle from Wall Street. And these are, like, big banks, payday lenders who do everything they can to ensure that they lobby him so he could vote on legislation that will deregulate big banks, payday lenders who have – no interest in like working people and like our well being. They have an interest in making money. So the question, whenever I hear something like that, and and, and that comes to that's attached to another candidate, my thing is always, yo, who's cool with this? Like who's who in the community is okay with that? And maybe part of them not being okay, Sean, is that they just don't are not aware, right? Like I was inf- information that. is kind of key. So like mm-hmm. maybe they're just not aware. Do you feel like that's the problem in, in the, your district right yeah, now? Yeah, because again, going back to like how low the voter turnout is, right? A lot of people are not really connected with what's going on, and it's not their fault. Because listen, working people, poor people, they're working nine to five, sometimes even longer. They got come back home, take care of the kids. They have no time to like dig up for knowledge, right? Right. Yeah. So, like, a key initiative for our team is, like, making sure we go door-to-door, make phone calls, doing outreach, social media, trying to find out where people are from the district and let them know, like, yo, this is important. And it's important for everyday people to be a part of this. Like, we could take back our power right here, right now, you know? So yeah. it's, it's, it does take a lot of, like, current just taking that initiative and, and that, that step forward to having that conversation about what's going on and how we could go forward and make a difference. Yeah, and I think that that matters too because now I'm thinking about how maybe my parents would sort of take all this in, right? And yeah, there's literally, excuse me, not enough time for them to sort of do that because you get home from work, you're tired. I mean, some people work 9 to 5, but then a lot of people also work uh, 9 to like 11 because they're working Mm -hmm. overtime. So when they get home, they're really not going to, you know, look at that sort of stuff. And then when they look at politics – there's still that buzzword, and they take it in a way that's like, oh, I don't want to deal with this. Right, you know what right. I mean? I just kind of want to live my life or whatever. Yeah. Like I joked in the beginning of the podcast, when we say we're bringing in a politician, people are going to be like, oh, God, here we go. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but I, I, would but hope, I, think, yeah. I think I think, how how do you sort of plan on, I guess, bridging that gap, right? right? How do you sort of plan on just filling that to where it's like, look, this is like we need to focus on this mm-hmm. and in a way that's not so exhausting for the common person, right. if that makes sense. Makes sense. I mean, initially we need to have, again, like it's about mass mobilizing people, right? Like the establishment itself, they, they're they going to have the money. They're going to have millions of dollars to ensure that they throw out crazy ads. They'll like send out mailers. Bloomberg's and- doing that right now. 
and like these, the politicians are buying themselves in. Yeah, that's the crazy part. You have billionaires out there who are buying themselves in, while there are like more qualified people who couldn't raise the funds to stay in the race, right? And and so when we like think about like people like Julian Castro, Kamala Harris, yep. you know, Cory Booker, you know, they are what they brought to the table was that they brought diversity. You know, whether or not you agreed with some of their policies, what mattered was that they brought representation for the voiceless, you know, yeah. that people that look like us. Yeah. And that mattered. Yeah. But they didn't have the money or the fun to stay in. But then you have like rich white billionaires, racist oligarchs, by the way, yeah. coming in and make it <laughs> yep. seem like I got this. Like the the arrogance, right? You Does know that... you know what though? Go but, ahead. Because yeah. we talk about like our industry, we both work in media. Yeah. We both work uh primarily in sports media. Uh although Dexter's at a weather network now, but primarily a sports person. Um it's the same thing in our industry too. Mm. Where at the end of the day, people with the money or people that come from money, like those are the ones that are going to end up rising to the top, usually uh, in some form or fashion, as opposed to, you know, there are going to be other people, specifically other people who are minorities, Mm -hmm. whether it's talent, work ethic, you know, they need to make up five times this and 10 times that. And you need to work five times as hard to get to this place. And I I think it seems like what you're saying is it's sort of the same thing in what you do. Yeah, it is. And like for us, it's about like, doing something that you love and like taking that in but like setting our own standards like yeah forget the way the world tells us like how we should do things like forget all that so yeah say that forget all the all time that. Yeah. Forget all you that. make your own rules you make your own you make rules, your own rules. You, make yeah. your own rules, you can right? change the game yeah and and i feel i feel like i feel like you are how you know it's funny you touched on something that made me think of a question you talked about um in looking at the presidential race for 2020 and, and seeing the, these billionaires buy in whether we saw trump years ago we saw you know bloomberg right uh, now, buying in and then pandering to the minority folks with certain ads. Yeah, I see you shaking your head right now because that's why I'm shaking my head. I was mm-hmm. watching the, the, some of the Super Bowl a couple weeks oh, ago and man. I saw it, and some and I'm like, really, like really, this, this this is what we're doing. How does that make you feel, even as a, as a fellow politician, when you see that? Man, when I saw that, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> like, how the audacity. Yo, seriously, man. Like, one, it's like he—he's been a Democrat for fifteen minutes, first of all, right? Right. And he decides—he he decides to—I uh, uh, don't know—apologize, whatever that meant. Apologize for freaking stopping his frisk for how many years? Like, we traumatized a whole generation under him for three terms. Traumatized a whole generation. Yeah. And now he wants to apologize before running for president. Like, nah. So all of us just going to be like, oh yeah, we man, can't forget you know, that. We forgot. We, you got my vote, nah. And, but there, but here's the thing: there are a lot of people in New York, older, by the way, yeah, who uh, they they were for stopping first because they thought that people that look like Sean or Dexter or myself, you know, were right. the kinds of people that needed to mm-hmm. be stopped in first at that yep. time. I was stopped in first twice. Mm. Obviously, didn't have anything on me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, man. but I was stopped twice. You said that you were stopped yeah, a bunch man. of times, Dexter. I have not, but I got into a discussion with a cop about that. That I told you guys about yeah. um, supporting supporting that. Speaking that of stopping, the cop was supporting. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash A-H-T-T. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Speaking of stop and frisk, right? Your opponent Mm -hmm. um, has endorsed Mike Bloomberg. 
Um, so you, obviously, you, you as a black dude, you tweeted this. <laughs> you said my opponent Greg Meeks is now endorsing Bloomberg for president. I could never, in all caps, support anyone for unjustly throwing black people in prison. I could never support anyone who targeted Muslims. I will always always fight for all people. We need moral clarity now, now, now more than ever. Yeah. This, this this is what you want. Um, I will say this. I'll be very blunt and clear about this. Okay. I don't know Mr. Gregory Meeks. He does represent uh, the district that you're trying to trying to win is where my fiance's parents live in St. Albans. Mm. So I do have some concern for that, obviously. Um, they are homeowners in St. Albans. How that brother, Mr. Gregory Meeks, how you can support Bloomberg with the policies that he's had in the city that's affected people that look like each and every one of us sitting at this table yeah. is disappointing. Mm-hmm. He's going to have to answer for that. He does. And no one that's really asked him straight up. Well, that's what I was going to say. I was going to yeah, bring that up, too. anybody asked him straight up? I was going like, to bring up that up, that, too. Man? Because, obviously, if he, if he skated by for as long as uh, he has... And with only 3% of the people voting in that area, obviously not a lot of people seem to care enough. Right. So will he be asked about that? And that's where I think has he Has he? Are you saying that to this I'm, date, as of right now, as it's recording, nobody's asked him this directly? Man, and do people care to? People, I think people do care to. I haven't seen it within the community itself. I feel like a lot of people that have been supporting him have been kind of like hush-hush ever since that's happened. They're like, uh. Uh, I can tell you right now from what I know through the grapevines that a lot of people in circles were not happy. With what he did, he did it without their knowledge, and he was like, "I'm, I'm gonna do this," huh? You know, and essentially, what to look at is that he's not, he's not supporting Bloomberg to run against Trump. He's supporting Bloomberg to run against Bernie Sanders. Mm. Right. That's just me. Right. That's just me. I see. I right. Yeah. This is wow. This is so. This is so. So much. Just, have Ber- you? Bernie Sanders and, and Bernie Sanders is someone who actually speaks to like people in this room who are younger. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Oh As yeah. Definitely. To Mike Bloomberg is tapping into that older generation that basically you know baseball fans. But you know what? Like one thing we've been doing literally that day that it happened, we went out there in the streets, especially in St. Albans. Our team went out there, went door to door, like yo, you know what your Congress member just did? Yeah. Furious. Yeah. Good. Furious. How big Good. is your team right now? Man, we have we have a huge team. We have a stack team. We have, you know, campaign manager, field director. We have a couple field directors, finance person. Then we have, like, about 100 volunteers signed up. So huh. we hit those, man, we hit the block, like, almost every other day. Make phone calls every day. Make sure that, you know, we are one. We have to raise, like, grassroots money, right? So right. Yeah, but that's important. It's important. It's Especially important. if you're going up against the establishment yeah. in this case, right? Yeah. Because what they're going to do is they're going to, in, in any industry, they're always going to try to win with mm-hmm. connections, money, right. people that have been there for a long period of time, mm-hmm. where people like us have to hit the streets. Yeah. People like us have to hit Twitter, have to hit social media. Yeah. And a lot of the people that have been following you, because your followers have been going crazy. I remember when you had, like, 500 <laughs> or whatever the case may be, <laughs> and now you're a you're about to touch 10,000. By the time this comes Crazy. out, you're probably going to touch 10,000. But a lot of the people that are following you, I think they're just tired of the normalcy yeah. that, you know, everything has become where it's just, you know, we don't really know what's going on. People are just getting by based off of money. And, you know, what are their policies really? Where mm-hmm. it's like you're tapping into the streets and the people who are tired of the establishment Sort of like uh, Farrakhan was talking about in that Freddie Gibbs sample with the Black Thought song. Yes. Yeah, like stuff like that. How, you tell, you're telling me you're going, you're going out in the streets, you're, you guys are knocking doors, you're letting people know about some of the messed up stuff that's happening in their community, particularly from your opponent. Um, you said the response is a lot of anger. A lot of from anger. That, from that with people. Do you feel like 
two two part question here. Do you feel like you're getting those people to come on one your side? And two, have you spoken to your opponent? And do you know if he's kind of shook right now? <laughs> he he should be. He, he should, should be. be. He, I, I I can tell you that he he's definitely aware. You know, he's not taking this too lightly. At least I think that mm. um, I think he's pretty comfortable knowing that he has million dollars because of the people that are lobbying him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is the current uh, chairman of the Queens County Democratic Party, which is another story in itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, they build a lot of like local community with politicians over there, and they really decide how the politics really works in, in Queens. Huh. So that's another story in itself. But I could tell you that he definitely knows. Um, to know how nervous he is, I think someone does have to ask him. But I've never had a conversation with him besides that one time. It was literally a tweet where I, you know, when I came back from the border, I tweeted at him about this issue. And that's when we had that dialogue about, you know, him thinking that we need just more beds in these detention centers. Wow. But, um, yeah, and what was the other question? Oh, no, was, well, yeah. well, I guess one was, do you feel like people are coming to your side because of the anger yeah. that they that they kind of are, are hearing about things in their community, how it's affecting yeah, them? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, like, we're on the side of the people. The people are, are on our side. And just getting new faces involved, people who have never been part of this, it's inspiring them to, like, really exercise their political tools and platforms to do something great. It's about – this is what it's about, right? Because coming where we come from – no one's, no one's really guided us into getting into stuff like this. It's right. about maybe going to school, become a doctor, lawyer, or, you know, trying to be an, an athlete or an artist, but never anything like this where you could be a true representative, uh, a voice for, for your people. It's never been like that. Yeah. And if you do, it's people who are at the top already and they tell you to wait your turn. Mm. For me, it's like, mm. I'm not waiting my turn anymore. Yeah. We've waited long enough. Facts. Amen, amen to that. What What are the things, and just from talking to just people, you know, from that area or just in general, uh, what are the things that you're hearing them complain about the most? Man, housing. So I live, so New York 5 has, I believe, I want to say 68 uh, NYCHA complexes. Mm-hmm. I live in public housing. And the infrastructure, you know, we're talking about mold. These are outdated buildings, lead. Yeah, man, it's so heartbreaking. I'm a th- I want to stop you right there for a second. In that, with housing, um, when I used to work for News 12, mm. I used to do a lot of stories about NYCHA housing. A lot. Mm. I mean, a lot. Yeah. And let me how it will work. I think it's kind of messed up with media, right? Like what we would do is somebody would call us and be like. Yo, the water is like in my ceiling. The yeah. mold is horrible. We yeah. go there, we do the story, we kind of shame NYCHA, and then NYCHA will come and fix the problem, but then the problems will continuously repeat. And I've spoken with people who worked for NYCHA about this and the challenges they face with mm-hmm. funding and everything, too. Yeah. So I don't want to, I'm not trying to crap right. on NYCHA. I do think it means a lot. I want to say this that you're somebody who's come from public housing, from 40P mm-hmm. in South Jamaica that really understands the challenges there that a lot of people face to be able to speak about such a major crisis that not only is in New York City, but we see in a lot of large cities across the, across the country. Yeah, I, I think sometimes there's a huge disconnect, Sean, that uh, for people who live in public housing, people who don't, I think people on the outside look at it and be like, oh, man, that's shocking, that's so bad, but they don't really actively do anything. It's almost mm-hmm. like, yeah, but I don't have to live there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How, do you, yeah. how do you bridge that gap? as a candidate to maybe make people who don't live in public housing understand the challenges that folks who are in, in public housing are yeah. facing. I mean, you know, when we talk about public people who live in public housing, these are 
the the working class, the people who you know, every policy we make does affect people like us. It does, right? right? And I think that we have to be more conscious of the fact that every decision we make today is going to affect the people for tomorrow, right? And that's not only people who live in public housing, but we're talking about the next upcoming generation too. They have to deal with it. For us, it's like we grew up in an era after nine eleven, the financial crash, and look where we are today, right? And yeah. we got Trump. So it's like we're, we're having to deal with all that. So when we talk about people in public housing specifically, it's like we just have to be more aware that you know, a lot of the policies that we make, especially for public housing, also does affect people who own homes. You know, There's a direct correlation with homeowners and people who live in public housing. We're talking about federal, the federal government needing to actually fully fund our, our communities. You know, that means demilitarizing our, our military, um, taking funding out, making sure that we do invest in infrastructure and housing and public education. So if we want our communities to be better, you know, this is the way this is the way you have to do it. Simple as that. You know, so it's like where I live, literally, I live in like a, it's like a three block, four block radius of just public houses. Five minutes down are homeowners. We're all in one community. Right. But sometimes it's a tale of two cities. Hmm. But at the same time, it's like if we're sharing this one district. All our funding should be coming into our communities to help all of us. You know, we have to get out of that individual, like that individual mindset. It's right. about all our people. If like people that look like us, you know, I'm not just not fighting for, for myself. I'm fighting for people that look like us because we share a common bond, a common story, a, a shared history. That's what it's about. So we're trying to fight the same system here. But then the system got us fighting with one another. And I think what you're seeing now, <clears throat> excuse me, just across the board in like everything, right? AOC was very relatable in her sort of approach to everything how she was just tired of the establishment and what was going on, how she, you know, people talked about, oh, she went to college, she worked at a bar, this, this, and that, where there's a sort of disconnect between, I guess, older people and people of our generation, yeah, right? Tell me about so, it. So, like, it's, it's kind of, like, it sounds like to me, like, you're, you're going to get that support also from, like, that grassroots level. I mean, you said you're living in public yeah. housing, right? Yeah. So have you, have you heard from a lot of people in your neighborhood in these conversations, what are the things they've told you just about, like, you know, the respect that they probably have for you and yeah. supporting you and things of that nature? Yeah, so i actually been working with the South Jamaica, shout out to the South Jamaica Resident Green Committee. So we actually work together on building a community farm. So we're talking mm. about, you know, our where we live, especially in poorer communities, there are a lot of, like, food deserts, right? So yeah. when we have supermarkets, they have, like freaking food produce that's about to be exp- that's about to expire mm. and they're telling us we have to buy it and eat it come yo, on now. Yo. and if you go to like <laughs> if you drive out to like more you know well-off neighborhoods they have like the organic fresh and fruits that you got oh, everything course. right and you know don't get me wrong there are people and it's great stuff but it's like you're telling poor people we have to like drive out of our way to get this quality access to food when we don't have that like we should be we shouldn't be able to like we shouldn't have to drive out of our way to do that. Like we should be able to do that in our community. So the fact that we got a community garden and we're not, we don't literally, we don't charge anybody for it. It's like we grow our own produce. We're giving out to our neighbors. Everyone eats well. So it's mm. about, you know, self-wellness, wellness for our neighbors. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, focusing on things like that really does play into also things like climate change, things, mm. you know, and other things too, um, just about, you know, our own well-being, making sure that our health care is intact. And, but working with them, we see that these are just everyday people. You know, you're talking about majority. There is a problem with just not enough young people involved. Right. But yeah. A lot of the people that do come out have been like our elderly grandmothers and mothers 
um, we need more men. Like we need to empower mm-hmm. more men of color, especially taking action. Yeah. It can't just be the woman. Like, listen, our, our queens out there, they, they do the work. Yeah. But we got to step work. up. Agreed. We have to, as men, we have to step up. That's true. Agreed. You know? Yeah. So, Agreed. Um, you know, we've been able to just have these conversations. We see that our politicians, they don't come to our poor neighborhoods because they know that they under, they're under the impression that, that we don't come out and vote. That disconnect. Yeah, it's that disconnect. That's why they don't want that, but that's why they don't want to tap into us. We don't give them into, money. They don't want to tap into us. They don't, and, and tap, they don't want to tap into us, and they don't think we have the money to tap, tap into right. them. Yeah. 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 And, and, and tapping in is, is, I feel like, really being there, doing stuff like you're doing in the, in the community. One of the other things that I, I saw when I was looking at some of your stuff and your platform and things, things you're trying to do is, you know, you're focused on healthcare for people, and that's a big, yeah. um, you know, topic nationally for a lot of people, healthcare for all. I mm-hmm. think it's ridiculous in this country that, some people can't afford health care, right? Sure. They literally can't afford the right to take care of themselves mentally and physically. Yeah. I think that's important, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely. How, how much change do you, do you want to see in that? And Because I think the way things are, it doesn't work, Sean. Like, yeah. it doesn't work, man. Like, it we got to change it that. Does, I'm 26. I just... I'm not on healthcare right yeah. now. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. mine just and finished I've up I've been in there. February mm-hmm. first. You know what I mean? Because I'm a freelancer. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's why that's why I'm trying to get something with benefits. And but it's hard to get. Yeah. What, yeah. yeah. What 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 are you trying to do in terms of that fight? Yeah. I mean, listen. We are in the richest nation in the world, and there's no reason why the richest nation in the world has some of the lowest health outcomes. That ass doesn't make sense. <sighs> nope. It makes no sense. We have all this money and where is it going to we're profiteering off these endless wars. We've been in the Middle East for twenty plus years. Right. We are destabilizing governments in like Central South America. We're you know, we play around too much and not really focusing on the needs of our own people here. Yeah. We've done too much damage. So when we continuously have healthcare industries, insurance industries continuously making Billions of dollars year in and year out, but poor people are dying mm-hmm. more year in and year out. There is a problem there. Yeah. So Medicare for all is one. I think about. I think that seventy-five to eighty percent of people within the country support support it, right? And that we can definitely get it passed, but we need the people in office to make sure that they they do the the work to get it passed in the House and then in the Senate have the president sign it. So. Even though there's a lot of focus on the presidential race, and I know that, you know, for me, I support Bernie Sanders, but he can't do it by himself. Right, right, You know, right. he can't. Yeah. So we need a Congress. We need a Senate that will actually step up past the legislation in both houses so he can sign it off. So it's it's time, you know, but it's about the courage to really electing those who actually get in office and to do it. And we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get to the the 2020 presidential race too. But you just said something that I felt like. And that hearing you talk is something that I know myself and Brian and you talked about men stepping up, one men of color um, stepping up, but just people in general. I don't think we're as a society we're, we get excited about the 2020 presidential race, yeah. but are we doing enough where we're trying to elect congressmen, the people in your district, the people that are really representing you? I know myself. I'm gonna be honest here. I'm, I don't go to my you know local meetings. I know mm-hmm. who my local assembly yeah. you know woman is. I don't go to meetings. I should be more involved in things going in the community. I, I, is that a message you try to also get to people, which is like, hey, you want change in the community, but you got to be more involved in the community and really have your voice. And that's how we get the change pushed, you know, up the channels to yeah. DC. Yeah, I mean, for me, I I don't really like telling people, you know, what to be what told to do. To do right. And stuff, right. You yeah. know? Like right. people people hate that. People stuff. hate that stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. And. For, it's like it's not really entirely all on us, even though there's some accountability. Yeah, sure, we could take some action, do some things, right? But the also, we have to look at the system, how archaic it is. Yeah, it's yeah. 2020. You're telling me that 
we can't make these community meetings more accessible to people. We're yeah, having streaming like, them. Streaming can, them, yeah, right? That's true. We yeah. can, like a lot of people don't know who their community board members are and they actually make a lot of decisions in your local communities. Yeah. That, you know, they could really decide on like what companies could actually come into your neighborhood and yep. develop like these hotels or complexes and that really does affect the way the the cost of living will will really occur in, in your in, in your block right mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know that so then when we think about when we complain about man my rent is too high or it's you know why don't we have a stop sign here it's like yo it's literally the people in the back room that make these decisions but we don't know who they are yeah. there's a lot of hidden faces Right, the devil is in disguise. So yeah, my brother's pissed off because in my neighborhood they got the city bike things now. They they just put like four of them in a neighborhood, and I'm he's like, yo, where am I? Like those are parking spots. Yeah. Somebody you know on the board voted that, right? And you're right, people don't even see. You're 100. It's funny, I hadn't even thought about that part. And I've been to a lot of community board meetings as a journalist, and a lot of times there aren't many young people. Yeah. Um. Sometimes the reporters were the youngest people in the room. I've I've been to these. Oh, that's true. And. Um, you're right. Why are we not in 2020 making this more accessible? Why some why is there somebody tweeting on YouTube? Stream on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Somebody can hold their phone and put it on Instagram Live, mm-hmm. Twitter. There yeah. are actually ways you can get and this. And people out will probably there. people feel I, I know if I would see that, I'll feel more inclined to watch. I th- I otherwise, think you would. otherwise, how especially again, this is them not tapping into our generation. But if you're from our generation, how are you sort of inclined to follow this if it's not accessible if it's yeah. not being streamed where we can sort of watch it yeah and then people will start to probably get involved if they can see that there's ways of accessing this information through uh twitter through youtube through instagram whatever yeah, yeah. so i mean so for young people i think this is like so important I, I tweeted this the other day about bloomberg especially i'm like yo today literally the, yesterday was the last day to actually register to vote um in new york yeah. so you could vote in the the primaries coming up Mm-hmm. Um, it's your la- it was also your last opportunity to also switch parties to Democratic Party if you're a Democrat or you know whatever whatever party you believe in it was the like last day to switch, so it's like for me it's like we as young people have to be really conscious about you know our parents like now we have to do the adulting here yeah. you know like no, they're making mistakes real. here I'm like yo sit down with your parents have a serious conversation that's let them real. know like yo this 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 will hurt me yeah. if you if you make this kind of decision right they don't have to uh, deal with the bear the blunt of it we do. So as young people, it's also it's awful, it's also difficult because all young people have school. You know, school we have work, so it's really hard to stay and like you know trying to also balance the social life. You know, and and that matters. You know, I think that for our mental health and everything, that's you know it's really good to have be around the people that you love and socialize with. But um, you know, not having that access to really be a part of a decision making. Uh, process doesn't make it di- it doesn't make it difficult because you're not really giving something for them to really look forward to. It's like you just come to the meetings and and then what? How do you get involved? No one's really giving guidance, right? Uh, and especially if you're young, a lot of people to tell you, oh, you got to wait until like you're 18. Again, it's going back to being being told to wait your turn, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. at, there has to be uh, a buy into this. You know, it's like if you want to be a part of this system, it's like all right, well, what can I do to to change it? You can't just tell me come to these three. By the way, these community board meetings, man, you've been there. They last for three, four hours. Yeah, yeah. I, like, a lot of people ain't got ain't time, for, time that, for that, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dexter's you know, told me about that. That's not a yeah. buy-in. Dexter's that, told me about that. If I go to literally, I've been to. I'm gonna be honest. I literally went to maybe a couple of community board meetings in my community, but last for three, four hours, man. It's not. What and it I, doesn't need to. What, that's what, the main. What thing. I also yeah. will say that I think is Sean that I think you would know too. 
race and class matter in yeah. the access to the community board meetings and also the time spent. When you go into more affluent or white communities, there are more parents there because some of them, they, maybe one parent has to work in the household. Yeah. So there's more time mm-hmm. for one of those people, mm-hmm. in if it's a marriage or whoever, to invest into their local politics. Right. And yeah. that matters, too. We talked mm-hmm. a lot about that, that with people from immigrant communities, obviously in lower-income communities, Yo, having to work I, I was in not a, just having the time. I was like in a daycare, and I had babysitters basically the entire time I was in elementary I school. I remember you, tell, you talking yeah, to me about cause, that. Because my parents were working all the time. Right. And then I finally got my first key when I was going to middle school because the middle school was like 10 blocks away. Man. You know what I key, mean? Key, so, key meeting, his key to his home. I was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wait, wait. Oh, 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 I was oh, like, oh, I don't want anybody to think you were doing something on the streets you were supposed to because, because I seem like that type of dude. Yeah, yeah. Some people, some people might watch this and stereotype already. Oh, um, I mean, yeah. No, I wasn't joking. I mean, yeah. I do seem like that type of dude based on some of the things I've said <laughs> on this podcast. But I'm not. Anyway. You know we like to hook our listeners up from time to time. And we have a hookup for you today. So for the listeners of the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. You can check out one of my favorite sports books, $40 Million Slaves, The Rise, Fall, and Redemption of the Black Athlete by William C. Roden. That's available on audible.com with hundreds of thousands of other books that you can listen to today. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com backslash A-H-T-T. Again, that's audibletrial.com backslash A-H-T-T for your free audiobook. I'm still trying to figure this out to this day. Tulsa Gabbard uh, voting present at the impeachment uh, and being like the only one to do so, I believe. I don't get it, man. Okay. I I can't answer for her, man. I don't get it. (laughs) It, it confused me. It confused a lot of people. I, I don't get it. Still to this day, like, I'll wake up. Don't have an answer for that. I'll wake <laughs> up every third day, and I'll be like, why did she do that? It doesn't make any sense. Anyway, just yeah. go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we had to ask. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> presidential election 2020, obviously huge. Uh, let me, let's go back to 2016. Oh, man, 2016. Yeah, let's go back. Let's, yeah. go, let's go back to uh, election day 2016, and oh, I don't know where you were, but when you found – first, okay, let's – Let's go before that for a second. Okay. Before Election Day 2016. Mm-hmm. Did, did you, you feel believe, safer? Did you? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you did. <laughs> did you feel safer walking <laughs> around the country? Everybody black, black and brown felt safer. <laughs> did, did you think 45 mm. could do this? Did you think he could win? Absolutely not. <laughs> me too. I Absolutely not. I don't, think, I don't think most people thought that he could. <laughs> Excuse me. And... Man, and he technically didn't win the popular. Vote he didn't for, win the popular for whatever vote, that's worth. What was scary? I remember this. That's another Thursday. thing that's messed up too. That whole system. Well, yeah, we have to abolish electoral, electoral college. Has to, to go. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Another thing that I think could change within the next however long, if you know, some other people oh, take, yeah. take control of that. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. But you, so you like me? You was like, no, nah, man. There's no way this guy's no winning. Way. No way. So, uh, me actually, I didn't even vote for Hillary. I actually voted for Joe Stein, just knowing out of just. Voting out of my own conscience, yeah, yeah, knowing that Jill Stein aligns more with my values than Hillary does. Yeah. But I knew that Hillary was going to win New York anyways. 
whatever. Yeah, you yeah. know, I knew right. she had it in the bag. So you're yeah. like, whatever, right? Whatever. And like, I was pretty confident. I'm like, Hillary's probably gonna win this. Yeah, no big deal. And at that point, you were you you had supported Bernie. Yeah, I was. Ber- yeah, I was mad. I was pissed. So I was yeah. actually I was an independent voter, right? So I couldn't even vote for Bernie in the primary in because. Primary. New York doesn't allow you. So was I before yeah. the last. I now have switched. Yes, but so was I before yeah, I was independent yeah. voter. It was yeah. it's it's, okay. it's terrible, right? So yeah. we one way to change that. But Agreed. I was I was so <laughs> I was so pissed at how the Democratic Party establishment, the DNC, just continues on corrupting the system, mm. ensuring that you know people who are trying to you know make a, a system that is better for all of us, uh, that we continuously are left out of this. Mm. So I was. I was irate that this happened. Mm. So when Bernie was left out, I was just done. But I'm like, you know what? Hillary's probably going to win anyway. There's no way Donald Trump and the millionaires would win this. No right, way. Right. But I remember clear as day, sitting on my couch, watching the you know, the results coming in. I started seeing states like Carolina, Florida, Ohio. I'm like... Man, this Wisconsin. Is yo, Wisconsin. Pennsylvania. Yo, I'm yeah. like, yo, PA. I was Ooh. like, whoa, bro. Then I started getting nervous. Yeah, I was nervous. I was nervous, man. PA, I was like, damn, everybody from York. I remember, I, I remember <laughs> texting my, I, I was texting my friend at, at the time, and like, yo, this isn't looking good. Yeah. <laughs> and then when Florida came in, I knew that was like the nail in the coffin. You were a Marine at that point? When all this was going on? Yeah, so I was in the reserves. So I did six years, uh, 2011 to 2017. So I was like getting ready to like transition, head out. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, wow. Man, that's... When he actually won, I'm I'm sure you guys remember like the next day New York was just gloomy. It was gloomy. It that, was, it was there was weird. like a heaviness over everyone and I it just felt it was weird. It's one of the weird I could always remember the day as long as I live. I never felt that way after an election. Me neither. Um I, I just think we knew that <laughs> we were in for a interesting to say the least four years. Yeah. Um with him in office. Yo, you and, know what I remember actually now that I think about it? The, that was the same week that UFC their first week. Uh, they had the card in Madison Square yes, Garden. Garden it was the yeah. first UFC card in Madison Square Garden. Conor McGregor was the main event. Mm. And I remember a couple of reporters, they were like, yo, I just can't go. Like, I just can't. One of them was black, too. I'm trying to remember which one it was. They were like, I just, I, I'm just not in the mood. Mm. Like, I, I just it. can't do it today. Yeah, man, you it know a, what I'm saying? It's a punch or a gut, man. Yeah, it's, like, it's like that and Kobe's death, the same sort of gloom for some reason, mm. are two days that I remember distinctly. Like the day after, where it was just like, "Yo, this is just I'm like foggy. Mm. I'm I'm not gonna be able to get through the day." It's just yeah. I was, yeah, it was it was concerning. I think for a lot of people, and I think you know you felt the same way. But now, four years later, got a chance to get him we out have of hope there. again. Yeah. You, are, you know, are, are, are you you have supported? <clears throat> excuse me, Bernie Sanders, who's in this in this race again? Have you talked um, to him by the way? I actually met him. Yeah, I actually met him nice. a couple of times. Okay. I'm sure he doesn't remember me, but. Um, I did meet a couple of times working with Alex. Look, you get a retweet from him, it's over. Oh man, like, <laughs> that would be. You get a retweet. Can we talk from about him? that? You've gotten some. You've gotten some interesting endorsements. You got Sean King. Yeah. Um. Which, which which is how does it feel? You know, Sean King, great guy in terms of activism that we've seen. Um. I don't know him personally, but he's done a lot of great yeah. stuff. You know, grassroots work that he's been doing to get an endorsement from him. What was that like, man? You know, it's so for me. It's another issue that I'm really focusing on is the criminal justice system, you know? We continuously say reforming, reforming the criminal justice system. We don't need to reform it anymore. It's just reforming the system, you're just trying to make it better. We're not trying to make it better. We're trying to revolutionize this thing, right? Yeah. right? Yeah. You know, mass incarceration, we need to, like, decarcerate. All, most of the people who are sitting, like, in Rikers or in prison in itself are for, like, low-level offenses. 
majority are black and brown. Mm-hmm. We need to demilitarize the police. We need to legal, legalize marijuana. We need to expunge his record. We need to do so many things and cash bail. So to have yep. the support of someone like Sean King, who's been focusing on this work, um, you know, it really solidifies that you know we are really driving that message home. That you know people are really seeing that we we're, tr- we're speaking truth to power. You know, so you know having his support just it's it's an honor. Uh, now looking at twenty twenty. Um, I know everybody's eyes is on this election. There is some hope. I, I think there's a lot of people like us who like we, 45. We want to get him out of here. Yeah, um, I think we will. I honestly, I, think we will. Yeah, I hope we will. How, how confident are you in doing that? And why do you think Bernie is the guy that can do that? Win the win the nomination for Democrats and knock him out of office. Yeah, I mean there are a couple you know progressive candidates out there. Not I have friends who are also like Elizabeth Warren supporters. I yep. think she's great too. But yeah. for me. You know, I've been loyal to Bernie since 2016. He's been the most consistent candidate, the only candidate that has a movement behind him. Mm-hmm. And I think he's the only one. Trump is actually more afraid of Bernie than he is of, like, Bloomberg or yeah, anybody oh, else. Yeah, for sure. He, and he said it himself. His supporters, that. That, his supporters even say it, like, yo, watch out for Bernie. Like, don't take him for granted. Yeah. You know? I think Bernie would have beaten him in 2016. For Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. I think Bernie would have beaten him in 2016. I think a lot of people, when they saw Hillary win, they were like, man, I don't know about that. You and know what I'm saying? You know, I think like, that what it comes down to, it's literally on the Democratic Party itself. Yeah. I, I think that if they, if we repeat what happened in 2016, it's going to be on them. Yeah. I'm sorry. Hmm. And for, for them to like not even just learn from their mistakes just shows how arrogant and just naive they are. What do you think they should, what do you think the DNC, um, you know, they should have learned? From 2016, right? Because the voter turnout was interesting. When mm-hmm. you look, even though we both hate the elect, all of us yeah. hate the electoral college process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the yeah. voter turnout was interesting, right? Like yeah. black women showed up, yeah. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and they vote, and they voted heavily for Hillary, right. and, and they supported. But what do you think the Democratic Party needs to do better this time around? Just let the people vote. You know, stop like stop trying to put out like hit pieces on Bernie or like hit pieces on anybody in general, right? I, I think that the facts are there, mm-hmm. right? Why try to like change anything let the people vote don't try to undermine the system especially what we saw what happened in iowa like the chairman of the democratic party just had to step down yep. you know we see it's the democratic party that this whole thing with the app you know they had a, a role in it the, the the chairman had to step down because it's like yo there's a lot of corruption going on here yeah, and then look and then you got corporate media too when you look at cnn msnbc yeah yo it's crazy to think that even fox right they don't even like attack bernie like that Right. Yeah. So and that's like a that's a right wing media outlet. But when you have like more liberal, supposedly liberal left wing outlets like MSNBC, they're constantly attacking Bernie. And we have to look at, well, who are they friends with? Who's lobbying them? Who they got money? Where's with, the money that, going? Where's the relationship, exactly. right? It's all tied it, in, it's, right? It's all tied in. Yeah. All tied the in. The answer is always money. Remember. It's, that's what it is. When it mm. comes down to it, money. We are, man, so for such a man-made thing, we just like look up to it and like, yo, this is supposed to like <laughs> be it for us. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy to think that. But when we look at the money and the relationships that are, are played into there, um, it's just, just not fair. It, you know, because a lot of people, and it's sad to say, Especially a lot of older folks, they look at free, they still watch TV, you know, they still yeah. watch CNN, they watch all these news outlets. So they, that's where they get all their information, and it's not facts. These are just straight up opinions. Yeah. So they don't do the research to see what's going on, who's actually trying to do what, and then we all people just buy into it. The opposition against Bernie, right? Like when you see some of the stuff that comes out against him that I don't always understand, but I see as negative is that. Um, you know, he's a socialist. You know, that's kind of the word you've heard thrown against him. Um, all these things um, where that's a, another layered yeah. and interesting discussion I could get into <laughs> yeah, of sure, why I sure. think that's problematic. Right. Um, 
What do you want people know? Want people to know about why you think he's such a good candidate? Why you think he's the man for the job to lead this country yeah. past the dark days he, of Trump? He's the only candidate that's going to end corp- corruption and, and corporate greed. Literally, he's, his plan is all based on working class um, solidarity. It's yes. all you know. When we look at Medicare for all, he's the only one that is that has a plan that doesn't include uh, insurance profiteering off of sick people, dying people. It's making sure that every person has health care. It's, it's a human right. Mm-hmm. You know. So when you talk about that, and also he's a big, a big advocate for Palestine. That's another issue that matters to, to me and a lot of like constituents that I hope to represent. We have a huge Muslim population. Is that It's time that we talk about freeing Palestine, making sure that people who are marginalized have human rights. His policies are based on just human rights, human values, just loving one another, and that's that's just genuine. You can't yeah. find that anywhere else. And I think that's what people want. Yeah. I think that's at the end of the day, that's what people want. I think that's why people with money necessarily don't really like him because yeah. he's targeting again. He's targeting us. Yeah, and like you know what? It's like I get, I get that at the end of the day, we have to defeat Donald Trump. And people are, are desperate to get him out, but we can't replace one racist oligarch. With another. Yeah, we got to do it this is, the right way. We got to do it the right way. Yeah, Otherwise, yeah. we'll continue to do the same thing. Yeah, yeah. that is the definition of insanity. Like, like you know, <laughs> yeah. a lot of people, you know, when we talk to older voters too, is that they want they say that oh, we want to go back to things that the way they are. Like, why are we going to go backwards? No, we got to no, move no. forward. We got to change it. We got to move forward. So to like all the young people out there, man, yo, we got to get out there, man. We we're gonna we're the ones that make the difference at the end of the day. If we hit those polls, man, we could make a difference in this country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope so. I hope for, one. In terms of your race and for the primary, I hope voter turnout is fantastic in your district. And also, we we hope that voter turnout is good for November. And we should tell people more about that. So just explain, I guess, just how does this people work so that they could support you? You know, I mean, how does this work so that people could support you? Yeah. So when when we when we get new people involved, they they ask that same question, like, how do how do we do this? And it's crazy to think that this system has been in place for so long. A lot of people don't know how it works. So Mm. in order for us to um, get to June 23rd, which is the election day. Okay, June 23rd. It's a process. So in about two weeks, starting on the 25th, we are actually starting a petition period. So that might have passed by the time we put this episode out. So yeah. February 25th is when? We start petitioning. Okay. So we do, like, talk to Democratic voters. We have to get their signatures. So it's not a vote, but it's just a signature just to I mean, verify that we could get on the ballot. Gotcha. All right? Okay. So we need 1,250 signatures minimum. But we need to make sure that we get like two, three times more than that. So that way our opposition doesn't challenge us in court because they could challenge our signatures if they're in, invalid or whatever it is. They could do whatever they can to take us to court and kick us off the ballot. And you know if it's close to like 1250, they're going to try to pull that corny card. Yeah, so, corny so card. that's what we right. collect like three times more than the summer. Our goal is trying to get like 5,000, 6,000 6, signatures so that way we know that we P- are... Can people sign um, electronically or do these have to be... Nah, these are paper. So we have to go door to door, street to street, mm. subway stops, wherever. They're making you work for it. Yeah, we have to work for it. Okay. Yeah. Mm. And what's the number one more time that you need? So it's 1,250 signatures but okay. our goal is to get to like five, 6,000 signatures making sure that we are solid. Making sure that you're solid, yeah. Right. You know, and then once we get on the ballot, so that's like a, a, a one month process at the end of March, we hand them into the Board of Elections. Yeah. Uh, once they verify everything, we get on the ballot. And then that literally leaves us with April to June 23rd just to, like, making sure we get people to come out and vote. It's called GOTV, Get Out to Vote. Mm, um, that okay. requires to go door-to-door, make sure that we um, hit our target number, making sure that we also do phone calls. So sometimes people aren't, aren't comfortable. If you don't have experience, that's cool. You don't have to go door to door. You can make phone calls. You can do it from your home. You can do it from our, our, our offices. 
call voters, let them know about the election, um, you know, and once we make that connection, we just, everything's in God's hands, and yeah. <laughs> hopefully, you know, the outcome is... Uh, in our favor. That's good. And doing it on the ground floor, too. Because yeah. that's what, that's what people... That's how it happens, man. This is how it happens, yeah. I mean, well, this is how it should happen, yeah. at least. <laughs> Got to hit streets. Well, yeah, we wish you we wish you the best of luck um, with the upcoming election. Thanks, I think man. you have great policies and things you're going to do and push it forward, man. It's, it's, it's All the positive energy is around there. We have to... We got to ask you, because you also play, you play sports. Yeah. Play rugby. So you're 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 a sports fan. Who who are your sports teams? Who do you like? Oh man, I'm a huge. So I've never played baseball my my entire life, but baseball is my favorite sport. I'm a huge okay. Yankees fan. Oh, since I was a child, Yankees fan. Since, since I was a we're, child, we're, we're Mets fans here. Oh so. man, I'm sorry. I'm not a Yankee <laughs> hater, at least. Yeah, me either. I'm not. A, I used my dad's a Yankee fan. I used we, we still. My have brother's a Yankee so fan. My, my my dad tells me this story. I'm not sure if it's true or not. But when I was like a a toddler, maybe like one or two years old, he actually gave me the the option of picking up a Mets hat and a Yankees hat. Apparently, allegedly, according to him, I picked up the Yankees hat. So I just stuck with that. What year was this? Because that matters. <sighs> Man, so because if this was in like this 90- before Derek Jeter, oh, I was gonna yeah. say if this so was like '96. Nah, this was before that. Jeter came out. See, man, but Jeter's like one of my other like idols. I was maybe about two years old, so maybe like '94, '93. Okay. Yeah, so okay, that I, was when I was born. Yeah, so you know, I just saw, I just remember looking at pictures. I just had a Yankees hat and so many pictures. I'm like, all right, well, I'm a Yankees, Yankee I'm, I'm a Yankees fan. Yeah, yeah, you know. So mm, okay. man, we got screwed out the championship. That's all I gotta say. Yeah. That's all um, you gotta say. That's all I gotta <laughs> say. I think that, uh, <laughs> but you know, I love the Yankees. I'm a, I'm a Giants fan. Um, I think that with Saquon and Daniel Jones, I hope he does take it up to the next level. I think there's gonna be a lot of potential there. I'm a I'm a Knicks fan. I'm a die. We have a die. But die hard. Go to the grave. You, know what? you guys fan, can yeah, go to therapy together. I'm <laughs> telling you. Uh, <laughs> I, that, that's the one thing. So you like my dad? He's a he's a, we, the only thing we agree on is the Knicks. He's a Yankees and Giants fan. Uh, the Knicks man. I'm not gonna get. I'm not gonna say too much <laughs> about that because we could be here forever. Um, but Brian knows my pain. Oh, what about man. what about what about athletes? Oh, combat man. sports at all? Combat sports. Um, man, I. I haven't been watching combat sports as much. I was a huge uh, GSB fan. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Huge, okay. huge. Uh, but he then need, he needs to fight one more time. Yeah, man. I think he needs to like fight one more time. <laughs> he needs to give um, us one more. I don't have a favorite boxer, but I do love I love watching box. I love watching boxing. I okay, think it's still a great sport. I think that if there's a lot of potential to bring it to way where the way it was years ago. Yeah, you know, with the promotion and money making and all that. But I think it's still boxing's good. a freaking mess. It, man. It, yeah, are you are you one of these people like I do this? I think Dexter kind of does this where you find people from where your family is from and then you support them. Like, do you support other people who come from maybe Bangladesh or like, Bangladesh so like families? Athletes? Yes, man. Um, I can't think of like a lot of Bangladeshi athletes. Like for our people, like for you know, we love cricket. I am not yeah. a cricket fan, but you know, yeah. our people they love cricket. That's true. They love soccer. Soccer. They they That's love international thinking. soccer, so they'll support team, teams like Germany, Brazil. You know, the big names. Okay. Um, for me, it's like whoever I could. I like to really look at the backstory of athletes too. That's yeah. what I love. Same, to do, yeah. You know? Of course. I think that's also inspirational because we kind of like share that visionary of trying to be them. You know, yeah, it's, it's very synonymous. And right? we've and, and we also there's there's a little bit of a disconnect to where people just not us, but people see athletes as just athletes. athletes where right. it's like, no, they're human beings, they're human beings with right. a, with the struggle that 
like their perseverance, you could channel it and channel it in what you do. And I think yeah. that's why Kobe Bryant resonates with a lot of people and Mamba yeah. mentality yeah, and things absolutely, like that. Absolutely. Like man. their work ethic, like athletes with that work ethic, you could channel it in what you do. And what you do, even running for Congress and what I do in sports media and what Dexter does and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, like you can totally do that. Um I wanna ask you, uh, your hip hop head, right? Big. We should get your top five uh, before you get out of here. <laughs> You're from Southside Jamaica, Queens. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if 50 Cent's in your top five, but are you a 50 Cent fan? <sighs> Not anymore. Really? Oh, Not man. A whole, whole, South, whole South Side Jamaica Queens is going to be mad at you. It's all good. Nah. Not, but you all still come but, out but, of votes. Still come out of votes. Do you watch Power? I've watched episodes here and there. Okay. I, I, I've I wonder, been able to stay consistent with but, it. So is, don't. Because <laughs> I was wondering if this is just music based or is this fifty in general? Because I think he's hilarious on yeah. Instagram and stuff like that. Yeah, he's. he's I don't a really huge, listen. He's a huge to troll. He's a huge troll. Yeah, I don't listen to his new music as much, but he's put out a couple of joints. But did, but did, were you like you know were you like in the Marines bumping Get Rich or Die That's Trying? Right, man, that that, <laughs> that album is a classic. Yeah, yeah. Like, agreed. It's, it's yeah. old joints are classics, but his new stuff it's like it's just fifty himself really. I I, I still. Well, that's not music. really his focus now, so yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't hold that against. I don't hold that against. But I'm wondering because you know Jamaica, you got some other guys that are so from Jamaica. If we, if we talk about like people like Boss from Dreamville, he's from Jamaica. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's in my top five. So he's in my. I think. I think. Why is he my boy? Because you like him. I like Boss. Boss yeah. is good. <laughs> Boss, I think is is underrated, and Huge. I really liked his last album. Um, he's like, he's underrated. Like his, hands down. At first, when he came out, because I'm a big J Cole fan. First, when he came Same. out, it's kind of like, eh, but like. He's really solid and made some good yeah. projects. Like his last project was really good. He is so different. What I love about him, like he has this unique sound where it's like he has like that European flow as well of his with his production. Mm. Uh, and he's so smooth on the mic, man. So smooth, so smart. And he's also very active of what's going on, like in the world, yeah. and especially what's going on in Sudan. Um, and yep. He's so that's someone like you know that I could like really just like resonate with. That you really like. And yeah, who, really like. We'll, we'll get to we'll come back to the top five. Yeah. Who do you really like? Like I guess I I hate saying this like an older yeah. today's cover rappers. Like <laughs> who are you listening to? Who you listen to right who now? Who are you listening Man, to? I love J Cole. I love J Cole. J. Cole okay. Uh, Saint John. I love listening to Travis Scott. Uh, okay. You know Drake always puts out something. God's plan. God's plan. <laughs> you know. Okay. That so that tells me that you're hitting the gym or trying to at least yeah. because you said that you hadn't been in a week because Travis Scott oh, that's gym stuff that's workout gym music that's gym yeah, music man. J Cole's got some of that Drake is gym music for the mo- well not totally but you know Kendrick Lamar Kendrick of course yeah Kendrick of course. K dot you know I think actually with to pimp a butterfly that's what like kind of like radicalized me man when really <laughs> yeah man yeah so huh. the crazy things I grew up as a socialist my fa- my dad's a socialist and everything so. I was had those we're values. Same. We're the same, you know. So well, that's yeah. how Grenada got its independence. That's right, you know. Oh, yeah, see, that's, that's why. Bad. That's why I have some of those. Yeah, see, you, you know, you yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like <laughs> so, you know, growing with those values, like, yeah, we should be looking out for you know one another. But then, when that happened, when that when he dropped that album, it was like such a perfect timing with everything that was going on mm-hmm. with you know Michael Brown, Eric Gardner, mm-hmm. and that it really got people just fed up we were just done with the system you know people hit those streets and then there was always that pushback but when k-dot did it on like on the mainstream level in an art form Mm -hmm. and seeing that visually hearing that you know lyrically on on, you know the 
with our headsets on, I'm like, man, this is like something else. Yeah, I love, I love, I love that album. I'm a huge, I'm a huge Kendrick fan, so I love, I love that album, man. I actually got to see uh, on tour when he did the Kunta Groove sessions here in New York. I got to see him perform. Uh, that was one of my favorite concerts. Ever. Uh, it was great. I can man. imagine. Man. It, it was great. It was, it was, it was a really great experience. Who, do you, who do you have as your top five all time? Top five rappers top all five time. All time. All right. So I'm gonna try to go in order. Okay. I got J Cole number one. Number okay. one, J. Number Cole. One. There you go. Okay. okay. J. Cole number one. Number two, go with Nas. Oh, yeah. So for me, for me, Nas was like, you know, a lot of like my older heads, like older cousins. That's how I got into hip hop. I was like maybe seven, eight years old. My older cousins, they were into rap and they're freestylists, but they introduced me to Nas, you know? So that was kind of your introduction. That's kind of my introduction. Not, but a, for not me, a bad introduction. It's not, it's not. <laughs> but for me, J. Cole's my number one just because I could relate more because it's more relevant. Yeah. So when he came out on the scene, I was like a teen. So I'm like, oh man, I could really relate to this music, right? Yeah, you grew up with him. I grew up with him. You know, so like, you know, so yeah. for me, and he's, he's my number kind one. of kind of from Queens. You know, he yeah, went yeah, to yeah. school with St. John's. Yeah, yeah. No, I can yeah, see that. Yeah. No, so that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So J. Cole won, Nas 2. I got Lauren Hill, number three. Oh. Yo. Okay, Dex. Okay, Dex. <laughs> Lauren Hill does not get the respect she deserves. Definitely not. For those of you listening, they just they just pounded. Pounded. I had to give him a pound. I had to give him a pound. He's socialist, new to history of Grenada. He also loves Lauren Hill. Salute. Salute. Yeah, brother. Salute. Man. I got uh I got J at four. Okay. And I got um, Andre 3000 at five. That's Andre a good five, man. Yeah. Some of my favorites in yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, man. But those are just like my top, top, like my top five all the time. But currently, like if I have like a current list, it's J. Cole still. I got Boss. Um, you, you, strike know, me, you strike me as a Royce the 5'9 fan. <sighs> I don't know why. I like him. I like him, but it's just not my... Okay. Not okay. my cup of tea, but I okay. like him. I'm trying like to him. make a, I'm trying to make assumptions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah stop, stop, stop judging. <laughs> actually, so I've actually been watching this uh, Netflix docu docu series on hip hop. Hip hop evolution. Yes. Hip- I, man, Yo, I love it. So man. I was just texting Dexter about this yesterday. I love it. I watched the first two seasons already. Uh, yeah, I watched the first season. That's I'm, all I watched. I'm gonna because it's short. All the yeah, episodes short. are like yeah. 40, 45 minutes. Um, the second season. Is really good. It's the, really the, good. The fourth episode in particular, because there's a couple episodes where I'm like, okay, like, cool. The New York one, though, yeah. where they talk about, uh, I forget the name of the hotel. I don't want to spoil it, but all the producers and stuff. I'm going to start watching some of this. They right, talk about right Illmatic after. in that episode, yeah. too. Yeah. How, how far have you gotten into the series? I finished the first three seasons. I know season four is out right now. I just season four had the just time. came uh, out. You're yeah, a busy man. We know, yeah. we know, we know yeah. that. But I want to get to it. Yeah, I'm going to, season three and season four, I'm going to be hitting up real soon. It's such a class, because both of you guys, you guys are close to the same age, so when you see... I think for me it's a little different because I'm a little about a little older than some than you and watching hip hop back in its really mm. early stages. Even though it was a little bit that was past me, <laughs> yeah. but when I go back to like the early '80s, yeah. what is it like for you even watching the early '90s? Mm. Because I kind of grew up into that. Like I yeah. was 11 when Illmatic came right. out, and I was like, that was the first album I bought. So like, what's it like for you guys watching that the scene of hip hop then to what it is now? You know, for me, it's like. Music in general is gonna continue to always evolve. Yeah, you know, yeah. you can't you can't resist a change. Like even with like trap music, it's like it's part of the culture. It's just yeah. it's rap music, but just in a different branch, I guess you could say. It's still hip hop music with the productions and everything. It's just a different style, and that's what the current like generations listen to, right? But it's like, um, it's it's interesting, you know, because it's like I'm gonna look back, and I know in like. 10, 20 years, I'm like, man, I'm gonna look back into like the the ninety late nineties, early two thousand. I'm like, this is like a good time for me. Cause that was your era. That was my era. Yeah, you know. And it's like I read the study once about how like most people, the the music that they consider the best is the music they heard between the ages of like eleven and fourteen. Yeah, right? like those were teen years, man. Yeah. We're going through a lot. Of, going, going through a lot. Through a lot. Yeah, and some of my favorite. Oh, I disagree. Think about it. I disagree that. with that. 
hell? The, nah. I it was a study. I have to find this for you. I'll send it to you. Well, that. for me, it doesn't apply because, like, two, the, third, what, 11 to 14, that would be 05 to 08. Some Those great two. albums came out for my for me. In, yeah. In, in, in you had them. Not me. 05, 05, to, 05 to 08, 08 was not Man. great. I mean, Kanye, though. I mean, Kanye Kanye was at his... That was a good time for Kanye. It was a great time for Kanye. It was yeah. a great yeah. time, great time for Kanye. That was when he was still Kanye. But I'm saying, like... It, like, I think the Carter Three is overrated. That came out around that so time. So do I. Actually, yeah, the album. Yeah. Um, that was when a lot of the the South was really taking over. South, South is, I think, completely has taken over right now. Right yeah. now. But that was when I feel like that started. Um, because I remember 05 was a lot of Mike Jones, a lot of Paul Wall, oh, Mike Jones, Chameleonaire. Oh, who? <laughs> Mike, Mike Jones, Chameleonaire. Um, Chameleonaire, who I actually love. Nas came back. Hip hop is dead, and then uh, the N Word album. That wasn't a great. American Gangster came out in 07. American Gangster, Lupe Fiasco's couple first two Ooh, albums. Oh, man, Lupe. Food, yeah, yeah, food and Liquor. Oh, man, you can't leave out Lupe. That was a great album. Yeah. Yeah. So you like, you like, and yeah. the cool. Yeah. yeah. And, and the, the cool. cool. Those two albums are great. Great Those albums. Great albums. Yeah. No, there are some good ones, but I'm saying in totality, it's not, it's not, those aren't like my. I can see that. Yeah. I can see how that was a lower period for hip hop. What do you think about New York hip hop, though, right? Because you talked about the sound, and there's always that debate, too, about. Oh, uh, like has New York lost its sound? Do you think we have, or, or do, you, do you think it's just evolved? I think it's evolved. You know, I think that in was... a good way though, because everybody's trying to sound like the South now. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it depends how you take in what your taste is. Really, I can't really. It's really hard to judge because everyone has different tastes, right? Right. So it's like I think it's it's evolved. Um, but it's great to have that piece of memory and knowing that this is our history still. And that is something like we could always like look at to and see that no one else had that, right? You know, so I think music is still in a good place. Um, I think that there's a lot of like artists who are going to come up in the future. I'm sure, you know, I think that going to really kill the game. Yeah. All right. One last thing. One last thing before we get you out of here. If you have to pick a hip hop song that defines your campaign, theme song. You like this question? Yeah. Theme song for your campaign right now. What would it be? The theme song. Ooh. It's hard because you got to try to appeal to everybody. Yeah. You don't want to piss some people yeah, off. People, yeah. Many men by Fifty Cent. Many. <laughs> <laughs> Many men should come uh. out and vote. That's 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 what it should right. be. Right. <laughs> you know, I think it would have to be. I'm trying to think of a J Cole song. I was gonna go with J Cole song. Let me hear uh, this. I'm intrigued. What, Return what? of Simba. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, Friday Night Lights. That album. No, that mixtape. That should be an album. But oh, yeah. But I think I would have to go. It might be corny, but I'm gonna go with, uh, with Nas. I know I can. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Nah, just, that's good. Yeah, no, just nah, that's really underdog. Self belief, positivity. Yeah. Out yeah, there. yeah, yeah. I yeah. can. You know. It's, okay. It's about yeah. you know making positive changes, education, incorporating young yeah. people yeah. The movement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's yeah. good. That that's a really good that's choice. Because really I was really trying to think choice. what J. Cole's songs would be applicable Plenty. here. Plenty. Blow up. <laughs> blow up. Blow up. You are about to blow up. We're gonna put that positive energy out there. Yeah, we're gonna put that positive energy out there. To support because uh, people, you know, uh, your website, we should give that out, yeah. obviously, yes. so that people could go and go and vote. For or sure. you wanna talk about that. Yeah, so the election's not until June twenty third, but we do need We'll have you back before that. Oh, that'd be dope. We gotta have you back yeah, before that. Yeah, we should. That. And after. We'd like yeah. And, after. and close sure. closer to I'm the down. national election. Sure. Yeah. And we've we've brought people back here that we've Oh really yeah, we have really if you'd love to come so, back and hang with us, please. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Had a great time, y'all. Yeah, yeah, thank you. But uh we do need boots on the ground, making sure that we do have a solid volunteer base. So if you can volunteer, you don't need experience. You know, we could train you. It's really, really easy. Uh visit ww Sean, S-H-A-N, 2020.com. Or you could even just email us directly at info at Sean. That's S-H-A-N, 2020.com. Perfect. Yep. 
Great, man. We Again, we, we wish you uh, all the best coming up. Um, continue to fight for the people. There are people who uh, appreciate this, and I know yeah. they absolutely will. And on that website, you'll see policies. You'll yeah, see Puerto Rico. You'll all see the information for LGBT, LGBTQIA+, Green New Deal, reparations, foreign policy, everything. Yeah, man. Yeah, Sean is 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 for the people. We're glad to have you here on the Thank A-Hard you. Talk. You are, yeah, it's history. It's history. First politician <laughs> on yeah. the podcast here. For sure. First time, and, and it's great. Um, we thank you so much for it. Uh, check out all his information. Um, you can find there to support him. That's Sean Chowdhury. Uh, he'll be running for, as a Democratic candidate for New York District 5. Um, so support him in the great work that he's doing. That's it for episode 112 of the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. For Sean Chowdhury, Brian Fonseca, I'm Dexter yeah. Henry. Later. Until next time, y'all. Peace.